0: thirsty you've come to the right place to wet your whistle it's the liquid lifestyle with ryan mcgarian a full hour of liquid refreshment now here's ryan was dancing in
1: the moonlight. all right what's cracking my thirsty listener so if the sound of my voice is flowing into your ears like a crisp embracing shot of uzo, you know that you're riding the earth with me here at the liquid lifestyle on the radio northwest network and as always, I am your host and on-air bartender, Ryan mcgarion and if you're joining us for the very first time, this little show of mine is generally dedicated to all things liquid and delicious, along with occasional forays into grub and other areas of pop culture that I think might be relevant to the lifestyle of the modern imbiber, be them right here in the city of roses, hops, and hipsters, or as you might have experienced in past episodes, parts far, far beyond. All right. So this afternoon, the mobile studio is parked inside my new uh, hospitality experience, Pearl Tavern, here on the corner of uh, Northwest 11th and Everett. And, uh, you know, I made a call the other day because I wanted to have my man, uh, Jamal Hassan, come join us uh, for a conversation. Uh, And I tell you what, uh, if you uh, if you don't know Jamal, he's one of the top bartenders here in Portland, if not far, far beyond. And uh, he oversees the bar programs or bar cultures up at uh, the Mediterranean Exploration Company, uh, as well as Shalom yal which is a, a delicious little opportunity uh, that you'll find in the Pine Street Market. So without further ado, what's cracking, Jamal? It's
0: a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah.
1: Dude. So glad to have you, man. And uh, dude, we're moving into fall. And uh, you have the opportunity to run bar programs in, uh, uh, in restaurants that focus on what I think are real comforting and rich uh, uh, kind of uh, flavor and cuisine profiles, uh, specifically Mediterranean. And I can't think of a better time of year to like huddle up inside the Mediterranean Exploration Company and have some of your drinks. Are you excited about
0: the season? Absolutely, it's uh, honestly always been comfort food for me. Uh, I grew up with these flavors and uh, my first sort of uh, memories of food and love of food uh, were developed uh, making some very similar recipes, you know, with my with my grandmother in the kitchen. And so, you know, as we get into some colder weather, this is uh, this is right in my wheelhouse and feels really comfortable.
1: Awesome. We've got a lot to talk about with regards to uh, all of your contributions over there, and specifically, I've always found you have a really kind of definitive style uh, with regards to quote unquote liquid cooking. But, uh, you know, as we do on our show, you know, this show is really about telling stories, uh, and just kind of introducing, you know, top artisans around, you know, the city and around the world to our audience. And, uh, you know, I'd love to learn about where, where you came from. I mean, tell me, are, where are you from, my man?
0: Uh, originally I'm from, uh, Grants Pass, Oregon, a small town, just about uh, four hours south of here. And, uh, I guess uh you know my my culinary memories started really early. Uh, my uh, dad's a Palestinian refugee, and uh, my grandmother would occasionally come out to visit and didn't really speak english and so the best way for us to communicate was through food and so she would she would cook for me and I would get in the kitchen and help her roll out dough and you know stand on a a little stool and and that was really where my love for food and uh everything food related sort of evolved from for sure so and,
1: and tell me about that i mean obviously t- I, I mean i mean when i think about middle eastern cuisine i just think comfort i mean we have you know we probably have some stereotypical perspectives on what it is but walk me through you know you're you're a young man or a boy and you're working uh and you're, you're in the kitchen with mom and uh you know what are some of the things you're making
0: uh i mean fresh baked bread uh with za'atar uh roasted chicken with what with uh, za'atar it's uh one of the main spice, spice blends there. It's a sesame and oregano based blend. And so fresh baked bread with za'atar, uh, stuffed cabbage rolls, which is perfect for this season. Uh, you know, fresh tabbouleh, roasted chicken. You know, these are all really like Americana comfort flavors, but seen through the lens of, uh, of, of the Middle East. You know, you've got the Trinity of lemon juice, garlic, and olive oil. And so all those flavors, you know, combined makes a, a, a very comforting meal for sure. Dude,
1: and I can totally relate because there's a uh, there's a strong Armenian component here, as you know, and it's uh, it's kind of hard to tell because I have two eyebrows, not one. But uh, it's funny. <laughs> My wife's you...
0: made sure that I, I have two as well. So <laughs> yeah,
1: it's sometimes it's a battle we have to fight, but it's a battle worth fighting, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, <laughs> absolutely, I tell you what. So uh, Tabuli, I definitely think uh, Armenian cuisine and uh, so I mean the Middle East is just even though there's many different cultures and uh countries it's all kind of homogenous with regards to the palate at least as as I've seen it with little variations in each little corner but uh so you're in Grants Pass you're cooking with mom uh you know what's moving forward what was your first experience with adult beverage do you remember your first adult beverage and I imagine it may have been pre-21 or may not
0: it was pre-21 it was uh it it was it was quite a ways past that I actually uh I, I didn't drink too much in high school. Uh, I was a, I was a pretty driven little kiddo, and then uh, I... Uh, Let me jump in real quick, because Driven Little Kiddo is such a good name for a cocktail at MEC. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might have to write that one down and keep that one going, but... Uh, it's uh, sort of nearing the uh, end of high school. I uh, I got really into music and started playing in a punk rock band. And
1: uh... dude, how many people in our industry like became punk rockers and then cocktail experts? I, the one that I think of all the time is Dave Wondrich. He used to be a punk rock band guy, and then yeah. all of a sudden he grows a little goatee, puts on some glasses, and uh, and starts researching old newspapers and being the awesome guy that he is. And he starts uh, defi- helping redefine the kind of world of cocktails. But uh, tell me about your punk rock band real quick.
0: Uh, well, I was in a I was in a, a couple bands in high school, and then sort of right before I graduated um, I got the chance to uh, join a band called Virus 9 who was uh, Virus 9 I love it yeah they were were one of the bigger bands in the the local scene and and had a record deal and so sort of two days after I graduated I had the opportunity to either go on tour and uh, play punk rock or go off to college and I uh, I chose I chose the former, and so uh, going off with those guys, it was uh, it was a lot of cheap beer and late nights. And uh, dude, I thought
1: you were gonna say college, but you totally yeah. you just like you were already wet, so you jumped in the pool and went swimming with the
0: punk rock. Huh? I figured why not, right? You know, you get a chance to, to go on tour with the band every uh, every year, and so I figured I figured college could wait a year or two, and so absolutely,
1: absolutely. And you know what? I have a lot of friends who've been in punk rock bands. What's, what was the draw? What was, like, I love to talk on, like, psychological layers. What was the draw of punk for you?
0: You know, I think when you're a teenager, there's that sort of, like, disaffected, angry kid feeling. And uh, it's a way to, you know, to get that out. You know, as adults, a lot of us, you know, stresses. It's, uh, it, it's sort of a similar thing, you know. Sometimes they turn to uh, the comfort of a cocktail or... <laughs> Or or still music for sure, but it's uh, it was that release and so going to a loud show and you know running around and getting in a mosh pit and screaming and you know ending you know being covered in sweat and, and totally beat it's this exhilarating, exciting experience and you know I've always I've I've always really enjoyed being on stage and performing whether it was acting or being in punk rock or now, honestly, even bartending is a, is an extension of that. It's uh, it's always just a really cathartic release. And so to share that emotional connection with people, I found to be really satisfying.
1: Yeah, you found punk rock. I found uh, ice cream sundaes, IPAs, and a few other things to get me through that angry troubled childhood. Oh, I was a big Pantera guy, but that's not punk. That's
0: just like I don't even know what Pantera is, but it's still, uh, it's still loud, angry, cathartic music. Along,
1: indeed, so. I needed it. It was a, it was an important part of my journey. But uh, so again, we were getting back to your early experiences with adult beverage. And I guess that came uh, being on the road with the punk band, man. I mean, were you uh, did you have a favorite beer? Do you have a favorite whiskey or what? What were you drinking in a punk band?
0: Uh, it was mostly cheap beer. It was uh, I think the first uh, the first beer I had was a Mickey's Grenade <laughs> or maybe a 22. I'm not sure. Uh, and uh, you know it, it, it started with just a lot of cheap beer you know I always had a, a passion for food uh, but uh, the passion for drinking and 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 excellent beverage came came a little bit later.
1: As it does so you wrap up your uh, your season we'll call it as a uh, punk rock uh, superstar what happens when you lay that down what's the next step towards you know becoming the uh, the artist and bartender that you are today?
0: So after after touring and and being in the band for a little while Uh, As with a few things, you know, I found that the touring musician lifestyle was not necessarily for me. I love performing and I love playing music, but I also love showers and uh, having a comfortable bed. And uh, it's, you know, being a touring musician is is a hard life. And so, uh, you know, being in my early 20s, trying to figure out what to do, uh, I moved back to Grants Pass um, and there uh, I was just sort of, you know, poking around trying to figure out what I was going to do um uh, a steakhouse was opening in town and so i i sent off a resume and uh the rest is all sort of history i started working there and and really fell back in love with the restaurant industry
1: what was the name of the steakhouse
0: Uh, it was a little spot called uh, 115 broiler so there wasn't a lot of nice restaurants in grants pass but this was definitely one of the first ones a real classic sort of old school style steakhouse and you know, I, other than working in a, uh, my parents' food cart when I was a kid, I didn't really have a whole lot of restaurant experience then. But, you know, I started as a food runner and was, you know, head waiter by the end of the week. And the moment I turned 21, started, uh, started poking around behind the bar. Dude,
1: awesome. we got to jump out. That's the end of the first round. We'll be right back with Jamal in just a moment. And welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. Hope you're enjoying a fine post-Thanksgiving Saturday and that you're uh, you're relaxing, you're getting refreshed, maybe you have a uh, frosty drink or a warm drink in uh, your grubby little mitts. But uh, once again, we are sitting here at Pearl Tavern, my new restaurant here in the Pearl District, and we are chatting with my man Jamal Hassan, who is the... Uh, head bartender uh, who oversees uh, the Mediterranean Exploration Company for uh, Chef John Gorham as well, Shalom Yal. And if you missed the first round, uh, we had the opportunity to kind of get to know Jamal. He's from, uh, once again, from Grants Pass uh he uh was exposed to uh you know palestinian specifically middle eastern kind of cooking uh as a child and i i've got to imagine that his talent today is very much infected by the intense flavors that he got to play with as a kid and as most young men do they uh join a punk band which he did and uh and his uh first experience with uh, fine adult beverage was cheap beer as with most children but uh we left off uh, with you getting a gig at the Steakhouse in Grants Pass. And uh, and uh, from there, um, what was the next kind of uh, – where, where did you put your foot next with regards to your growth here in the industry?
0: Well, there uh, – this is about 10 years ago, and so the cocktail renaissance was happening – in around the world but most certainly not in grants pass oregon and so
1: most certainly probably not in grants yeah, pass
0: certainly probably definitely not and so i actually really fell in love with wine when i was there uh it was sort of the the that excellent the excellent stuff i had a chance to uh to taste and experience and so uh after working there and and, and getting really involved with the wine list uh you know, I I just felt like I was starting out grow Grants Pass a little bit. It's just, it's a small town, and and thought that uh, you know it was time to really make something out of this instead of just being a placeholder job. I, I really thought that I could really enjoy making a career out of working in the restaurant industry, and so uh, I packed my bags and moved uh, moved on up to Portland,
1: P-town. Jamal heads to P-town, loving it. And I want to just inject right there. You know, I think the first first and foremost, I know when I'm hiring. I'm looking for someone who has an authentic heart for service, but also has a natural comfort being the center of attention. And uh, in childhood, it, always, it doesn't always manifest in the best ways, but I always feel like uh, like there is we, we are born with kind of natural inclinations. And uh, when I hear you talk about, like, just, you know, you like being on stage, it's just like, it, it's no wonder you've ended up becoming, you know, a world-class bartender and... Uh, Anyway, so you moved to P-Town, and what was your first, uh, so this was
0: probably about nine years ago, right? About nine years ago, yeah. My first gig, actually, uh, uh, I ended up landing, uh, was a host at Red Star Tavern.
1: Dude, the Red Star, old school. Uh, That's like Kempton property old school.
0: That's right, yeah, absolutely, which it's it's funny, uh, a a lot of... uh, a lot of uh, my partners and friends that I work with in the company now, it, it was a, it was a, that area was a start for a lot of people. and so,
1: A lot of good bartenders came through the star, man.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I wasn't even bartending there. I had sort of minimal experience, so I started hosting. Uh, ended up uh, supervising there for a little while and uh, eventually ended up landing. Um, uh, sort of worked around town a little bit, but uh, nothing really on the bar side. Uh, ended up landing a gig at, uh, at a place called Lucier. you may have heard of. Uh, so that was a big fine dining project in Portland it was uh Dude that was totally an FDP fine dining project Yeah absolutely absolutely and uh you know obviously we all know how that went but uh it was really there that I met uh some really excellent people they assembled a really crack team there and the educational program that was there was 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 second to none I mean we had 50 wines by the glass and I got started getting exposed to all these fantastic high-end spirits and, you know, getting a taste on Julio Real and, you know, Hennessy Paradis, and uh, all these sort you know, 66 Mouton Rothschild. You know, I had all these light bulb moments. And so, you know, the, obviously the project didn't last. Working there and working alongside such dedicated professionals and tasting such fine and amazing things is when I really knew that I was going to make a career out of this for sure.
1: Dude, I'll, I got to throw some comments in there myself, you know, I'm just I'm I'm very passionate about the history of kind of the Portland food and beverage experience and Lucier, despite it's uh, in a, you know, despite the fact that it didn't end up working out, I think was a massive positive influence on Portland restaurant culture. When I think of how many talented people came out of that place, I mean, so many. I mean, I think of you, I think of Nick Sherman, and, and there's just, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, but uh, whatever they did with regards to training and impassionment, I don't even know if that's a word, they did it right. And, uh, you know, for those who don't know what Lucier was, it was probably the most ambitious restaurant project Probably in the history of Portland. I mean, they went all in over there down on the South Waterfront before there was a South Waterfront, and uh, I, I went in, and it was it was a pretty special uh, place. And uh, I'm really glad that the end result is is a lot of positive for Portland, even if it didn't work out for them. But uh, so you just get plowed with information, and uh, just your passions lit up. What happens after Lucier?
0: Uh, Lucier closed, uh, and at that point, I was sort of at a turning point. Uh, Portland didn't really have a strong fine dining scene and so considered moving to you know New York LA San Francisco Um, but that year on my birthday I uh, it was the big snowpocalypse I slipped and uh, broke my wrist
1: magical experience
0: was it yeah you know sometimes uh, sometimes things happen for a reason for sure and so that gave me a little bit of time to sit back and reflect and by, by the time that I was healed up it was it was it was pretty clear to me that I wanted to stay in Portland and, and carve out my own niche here because I, I, I really loved being here and instead of chasing that that epic high level of fine dining that had already been established in other cities I wanted to, to bring that to Portland. Whether it meant it you know, obviously it wasn't gonna mean, you know, three servers for every table and, you know, you know, cart service for everything, but having that like knowledge and passion and base and being able to connect with people and you know, light those sparks like that were lit in me I wanted to share with people here in Portland
1: cooking with mom punk rock break your wrist i mean it's all part of the recipe that uh, becomes uh, jamal hassan one of the great bartenders here in portland if not the world and uh, i hope you're enjoying this uh, this interview so uh moving past that you break your wrist you decide to stay but what do you love about portland
0: uh, in particular in particular i love the people i love the passion uh i love that because the weather's maybe not so amazing all year round, uh, people develop these passion projects, and you see that in restaurants, and you see that in distilleries, and you see that in wineries, and you know, anytime smart and talented people get together and put passion into putting out a great product, you, know, you get this this amazing exchange of ideas. And so, even you know, even if my hands were tight and I could only you know serve portland wines and use portland spirits and use portland products i could still put out some really world-class amazing stuff
1: dude we'll chat with jamal hassan that's the end of the second round we'll be back in just a moment Welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. I uh, hope you're having a fine afternoon and Of course, if you've been listening, we're chatting with Jamal Hassan, who is the uh, head bartender of uh, Mediterranean Exploration Company, as well as Shalom Yal. And uh, both uh, restaurants created by Chef John Gorham, one of Portland's iconic chefs who I've always said, uh, you know, we uh, had John on the show. Actually, I think John was our last guest now that I think back. But I just really have always admired his absolute kind of ability to balance comfort and intelligence uh, at the same time I don't know that I ever uh, and I've told them this I don't know if anybody in the world that I've experienced balances like smart menus with like unbelievable overwhelming comfort whether it is just like approachable dishes or incredibly you know rich and yummy seasonings uh, so frankly for uh, you know for for you how I think of you working with him is I kind of feel like you're the the liquid component of of John's culinary kind of uh, kingdom there and uh, and that's what you do at least we've talked in the past is that I think you 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 split in extreme intelligence and comfort for everyone so well where did that
0: start my man gosh i uh i will say that like working with john's really been a pleasure and we have uh, a lot of very similar philosophies about things i i love you know i love experimental cooking and experimental food but uh and cocktails uh and i think it's really exciting but I, i feel like for something to really be transcendent and to really be truly excellent it has to connect with some sort of memory or some sort of emotion whether whether the guest is realizing that or not uh, putting yourself out there and putting putting some sort of piece of you and everything that you put out, I think, is really important. And I think that's something um, that that John really understands. And uh, working with him, I've really been able to explore explore working within that concept. And it's um, you know, obviously, people seem to really love it. And I, and I like to be able to to give people that that feeling and that emotion. And like I said, whether they whether they even realize it or not, and connecting with with past memories or Uh, past feelings I think is is key to creating really transcendental food or drink.
1: Yeah, I I always talk about the power of context. Like I I know for me just using specifically clover honey syrup in drinks because it channels like the peanut butter and honey sandwiches that I think people who are now in their 40s and 50s had when they were kids. There's this element in that drink that connects them with a much wider experience. So I do relate to that. But uh, I want to talk all about what you do with John, but I don't want to skip kind of your your first uh forays into craft bartending what, what was your first foray specifically into what i guess we call craft bartending the use of outrageously high quality product executing precisely on that product and uh, having the knowledge to, to back it all
0: so um uh, my first experience in a craft bartending was uh was a little bit of a trial by fire i had uh worked with um greg and gabby denton from ox at uh at Lucier uh and um I was working at departure I'd worked there for a few years, and uh, i'd heard that they were opening up ox and you know sat down with them and um, were excited about what they were going to do with the new project and originally, I'd approached them about potentially wine had always been my, my focus and my passion, so I talked to them about you know coming onto to the team and maybe helping out with the wine list. but that position had already been filled, but they needed someone to lead their bar program and so You know, being an industrious fella and always looking for a new challenge, uh, I I decided to take it on, and I was lucky enough that they were willing to give me uh, give me the opportunity to do it. And so there, I got the pleasure to work with uh, work alongside a really great bartender, Ricky Gomez. And you know, I I I watched that guy and and sucked as much knowledge out of his brain uh, working with him as I possibly could. And uh, I just found that as soon as I, I jumped into the Portland bartending community, just how how open of arms um, everybody was to me. I, um, at the time, did some... D- before we were opening in development, did some stages at Cask and uh, worked worked with Tommy Kloos, who's been a, a, a really helpful and, and very much a mentor sort of coming along in this. And, uh, you know, guys like, you know, Chanel and Morgenthaler, you know, prodding me in the right direction. And, you know, everybody was just so willing to share information and knowledge for the sake of, of bringing up the craft. And so I just... I just put my nose to the grindstone and, and studied and, and uh, I worked my ass off and just jumped right into it.
1: Well done. And you made a big splash over there. I recall reading all kinds of great press about what you were doing. I remember your specific, uh, you were playing with Way
0: over there, weren't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, we, uh, after, after about, I think it was about three or four months after being open, we realized that we had a little bit of, a, a you know, we needed somewhere for people to wait. And so the little space next door. Uh, we were originally going to turn it into a private dining room, and you know, I I figured why not turn it into a bar. And so uh, Greg had the name Way Bar, and uh, uh, Ryan White, one of our sous chefs at the time, who I actually uh, went on to work with at MEC as well, um, was like, why don't you why don't you throw away in a cocktail? You know, I've been playing with egg whites and you know other dairies, and so we started playing around with it, and it had this like really cool tang. And so you know, the name sort of like spurred me on to do it. But once we started doing that, we realized uh, just how cool of an ingredient it was in cocktails.
1: So. Yeah, and uh, for those who don't know, will you just talk about whey and uh, what it does within the kind of context of a mixed drink?
0: So whey is really cool. It has the, the frothy characteristics of egg whites. Uh, it has the acidity of citrus, uh, and it gives uh, the, the lactic texture that adding cream would to a cocktail, but without any of the weight. And so you know, it's, it's got a little salinity too. Salt, sort of like one of my one of my favorite, like you know, I don't know if it's a secret, but uh, you know, any any chance I can have to throw a little bit of salt in a cocktail that has any sort of savory elements, I think it really elevates it. And so, way sort of has all of these properties. Uh, and so it was it was a fun ingredient to work with. Yeah,
1: and you're pretty much the only bartender I know. There's got to be some other around this spinning orb we call Earth doing uh, way drinks, but I've never seen anybody do it. I remember when I first read about it. Frankly, I had this twinge of insecurity. Like, I don't even really know what way it is. I have no idea how to use it i got to see what this guy's doing with all this whey stuff. So uh, you, I think, made a really exciting contribution, definitely in Portland, with your uh, use of that ingredient. And the way you just articulated it was fantastic. And uh, oh, once again, we're chatting with Jamal Hassan, the head bartender at uh, Mediterranean Exploration Company, as well as Shalom Yall and Pine Street Market. So you're at Ox. You make a defining cocktail culture work over there with uh, your buddy Ricky Gomez, a legendary Portland bartender now in New Orleans. When do you first meet John?
0: Uh I first met John uh about a about a year after uh after I was at Ox. I uh I had an excellent time working there, but jumping into my first bartending role as a bar manager, I felt a little not only like I had something to prove, but also I wanted to just sort of get some reps in as a bartender and I I wanted to to learn from some other people for sure and uh you know, I had I had a great staff that I was mentoring and you know, we were putting out a great product there, but I just wanted to work work behind a couple different bars and, you know, start start working with a team and so um after I left Ox it was the timing was kind of ridiculous. Um I uh um Tasty and Alder was opening up, um about two weeks after I was leaving and so I reached out to uh, John and uh Cook, the beverage director at, at Toro Inc. and um offered to uh, Offered offered my services, and I, I staged at Toro, and I met John and Renee, and uh, I just uh, started on there as a bartender. I really just wanted to, to get behind a bar and, and make some drinks, to make some classics, and to, to get so, to get some reps in and uh, sort of earn it a little bit uh, as a bartender. And um, Shortly after, I ended up managing the bar there, and after being there for a year is when the MEC project came about.
1: Yeah, and to me, that has been your that's kind of the, you know, the jewel in your crown, so to speak, is what you've done at Mediterranean Exploration Company. Specifically, more specifically, just incorporating uh, Middle Eastern flavors into cocktails, I think, better than anybody I've just that I've ever seen. And I think that the uh, continuity between uh, your drinks and the cuisine in the room is pretty special. So tell me about uh, what was in your dome when you were developing the cocktail recipes for MEC.
0: Well, when I heard about the MEC project, I, 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 I jumped on it as quick as I could. It was, uh, it was, it was a no-brainer for me to, to come back. It, it was almost like I was coming back full circle to come back to Mediterranean and Middle Eastern flavors specifically. And so the experience and knowledge that I've gotten, I really just wanted to elevate um, Middle Eastern flavors and cocktails. I don't think there was a whole lot that was happening um, with Middle Eastern flavors and cocktails in Portland Um, a few years ago when we opened and so I I took the craft approach and uh, the somewhat culinary approach and flavors that I couldn't necessarily find in existing liqueurs or spirits um, I set out to create on my own and so you know we developed a really ambitious uh, syrup and house you know house you know we make a lot of liqueurs in house uh, creating those flavors that didn't necessarily exist before and so working within you know subtle riffs and tweaks on, on some classics but but making it approachable and, and making the flavors really work with the cuisine has been, was been a lot of fun.
1: Dude, you totally
0: nailed it. Once
1: again, we're chatting with our friend Jamal from Mediterranean Exploration Company in Shalom, y'all. That's the end of round three, folks. We'll be back for the final round in just a moment. And welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network where we are talking with my man Jamal Hassan from Mediterranean Exploration Company in Shalom, y'all. Two outrageous food experiences from our friend John, Chef John Gorham here in P-Town. And uh, we were talking about uh, the special work you've done at Mediterranean Exploration Company. Uh, let's talk drinks themselves, man. Are there any—so, I mean, like, look, every drink that you're going to create is going to be worth— one, two, three, or four, or five, but to, are there two or three you feel like specifically uh, uh, represent your style of mixing?
0: You know, it's been so, it's been a lot of fun as as I've as uh, my styles developed at Mediterranean Exploration Company, and there's a, a few. You know, obviously, always the, the new cocktails that you create are sort of sort of your sort of your babies, and I think speak to my personal style. Um, But I've uh, been working on a a gin martini riff uh, called the Olive Branch uh, for a little while. I really wanted to work za'atar, which is the oregano and sesame-based spice plant, into a cocktail. It has this really great, green, savory, uh, herbal characteristic. And so um, I created a a stirred martini riff with that, um, this really great Sardinian vermouth, uh, a little bit of yellow chartreuse, and then a a uh, house-made za'atar bitters.
1: Good grief that's that's monstrously complex what do you I mean do you think about your drinks in the context of like having food with the drinks is there a is there something you eat specifically with that or is that just meant to like just take you away from your day cleanse your palate warm your mind and then get you to the food or is there a pairing there for some of John's stuff
0: uh, every drink I create I try to keep both in mind uh, I feel like a good cocktail should stand on its own but also working with such amazing amazing flavors. Um, I feel like the cocktails should really complement and balance the flavors in the food. And so I feel like as my style has evolved, I've gotten a lot more subtle uh, with flavors. And, it, you know, if it's something that you're enjoying on its own, uh, I think the cocktail should have some lingering complexity that maybe you, you w- we wouldn't realize if you're enjoying it with some of our food. And I, I, think, I think both is fine. But I think for a cocktail to really be truly excellent and transcendent, it really has to have both, you know.
1: Well, I tell you what—we're kind of uh, getting close to landing the plane here for uh, for this week, and I'm gonna make sure we get in on what you're doing at Shalom, y'all. Which, again, is—I think it's probably—is it just kind of an extension, maybe a casual extension of uh, MEC, or is it something different?
0: Uh, yes and no. It's uh, in, in in certain respects, it is it is a casual extension of what we do at MEC, but really, uh, it speaks to the street food culture uh, specifically in Israel, uh, and. I, I had the pleasure of, of traveling there with uh, with Ron Avni and um, Casey, Casey Mills, who's our executive chef there, and uh, my brother-in-arms over there, uh, and his wife, and we really immersed ourselves in the um, street food cuisine and, and culture of Israel, and so really, we wanted to create an experience that was indicative of what we had while we were there. Cool. Are there any mixed
1: drinks that you're particularly, you know, you've, you've got a great list top to bottom, but I mean, somebody's going to go, they're going to pick one. What what would one order in, to best experience the Jamal Hassan perspective on mixing drinks?
0: I really, with the menu there, wanted to keep it classic, simple, approachable. Uh, one of the drinks I'm most proud of is... Uh uh, we we're open for lunch too and so I wanted some, some very appropriate daytime cocktails a uh, riff on a Ramos Gin Fizz but with uh, house made yogurt It's our Hag- Hagalil Gin Fizz and so I take a classic uh, Ramos Gin Fizz uh, and instead of eggs and cream um, just this, this wonderful heavy yogurt we have that um, like I was talking about using way before it has this great salinity and tang to it uh, and creates this you know that great frothy head that, uh, that you get a normal Ramos Fizz but uh, I, think, I think that one really speaks to what I was trying to do down there
1: that's some advanced stuff, man. I, I, if you all haven't been down to Pine Street Market, A, I just think I've told uh, the curator, Mike Thielen, what a, what a dreamy little thing that is to be able to have that many great chefs kind of in one spot, plus the soft serve ice cream from the Molex. I mean, just like, dude, it's unbelievable down there. But uh, like I said, we're getting close to the end. Uh, you just got married, so uh, congratulations.
0: Yeah, uh, just, about, just about two years. It'll be two years next weekend.
1: Dude, well sort of just got married. I'm yeah. terrible, but
0: uh, <laughs> anyway, where, where are you and your wife going out to eat and drink these days? Oh, man, we've had some, some great meals recently. Uh, we just recently checked out a, a spot you've been invol- uh, involved with at, at Furi. Uh, had some excellent meals there. Uh, I tend to eat out uh, Asian cuisine a lot um, when I'm not eating at all the excellent restaurants in, uh, in our family. Uh, in our restaurant group, uh, it's
1: hard to get away. You get the discount, and you get to, and you, and you get to be, and it's nice to be known. You walk in, they know you, they take care of you. It's hard to get away from that.
0: I mean, honestly, even if I didn't have the discount, it'd be hard to to not not still hit up, you know, Tasty Dalder for, for a steak, or you know, I, I live in Northeast, and so you know, it's always excellent to stop into Toro Bravo. Uh, but aside from that, I, I tend I tend to eat out Asian a lot. I had an excellent meal at uh, BYU Izakaya last night um revelry i've had a couple really great meals there as well so it's kind of it's kind of cool to see portland portland really you know coming into its own with uh with this sort of explosion of asian restaurants and i just really love love those like big bombastic and contrasting flavors
1: Dude, couldn't agree with you more. Portland is entering a new season of outstanding, bombastic flavor. Jamal, thanks for much. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for coming in uh, to the Liquid Lifestyle today, folks. That's the end of the fourth round. Hope you have a fantastic Saturday afternoon, and we'll catch you next time.